Welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people who are trying to live their most fulfilling life, which often tends to be on a much different path than it started out on. Whether it was changing careers, getting laid off from a job which sparked their entrepreneurial journey, or breaking through the noise to answer their calling. All of these types of situations and more, but they wouldn't have gotten to where they're at today if they didn't get started. We talk about the why and the how of these getting started moments and the lessons learned along the way. I'm grateful to have you listening in along on this episode, so let's get it started. On this week's episode, I welcome in Chris Michael Harris, who is the founder of Startup U, an interactive online learning platform that teaches entrepreneurs how to take an idea or an existing business and turn it into a highly successful and profitable company. Having founded, bootstrapped, and scaled multiple startups to seven-plus figures in his mid to late 20s, Chris excels in taking concepts from idea stage to traction and growth in extremely rapid succession. Chris is the entrepreneur in residence for Silicon Valley-based accelerator program Founder Institute. He is also the host of Entrepreneur Hour, a podcast that has trended as high as top five worldwide on iTunes under the business, health, and education section. The show has featured many mainstream guests such as Damon John, Barbara Corcoran, Guy Kawasaki, Dr. Josh Axe, Mary Forleo, in addition to over 40-plus New York Times bestselling authors and thought leaders in their respective space. I hope you guys enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Chris. Excited to get into it. So without further ado, please welcome Chris Michael Harris. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you, man. What's up, Brian? Thanks for having me, man. Dude, I'm jacked up to chat. I always like to talk with other podcasters, and, and you've had quite a unique journey over the last, you know, let's call it 10 years or so. Um, yeah. So I was curious to really pick your brain on a few different topics. Um, before we get into startup you and, and those type of things where I want to spend some time, I, I'm really curious because it seemed like there was, and I don't know if there was a breakthrough moment at one point or something happened, you know, you were doing some side hustle in college when I was kind of researching before. And all of a sudden that kind of spawned into something greater. Mm -hmm. um, and I see this a lot with a lot of folks I talk with where sometimes you kind of tried and then you, it, it fizzles out. Can you share a little bit about that story? What were you doing at that time? And then ultimately I want to get into is how did that transition to something bigger um, going forward? Yeah. So side hustles were kind of the name of the game, right? And I feel like now entrepreneurship is so much more mainstream, but, but back then we're talking 10, 15 years ago. Uh, wasn't as prominent, right? It wasn't a career, it wasn't viewed upon as a career path. And primarily because you required so much overhead, just to get something off the ground, mm -hmm. right? Now it's like, hey, you start an Instagram page, and boom, you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> uh, and I have my issues with that, I will say. But anyways, I, I digress. Um, so I'm doing a lot of different side hustles. And one of which happened to be kind of the the resurgence of, of a thing that I did in high school. So we did some like lawn care type business and we, my buddy and I made like $16,000 over the course of a summer between junior and senior year of high school. And we got to the point where we're doing like hiring our friends and stuff like that. Um, it was whatever, right? Like stuff like trimming hedges and, and yeah. pressure washing driveways and cleaning gutters and stuff like that. But the big like catalyst for revenue that summer was this elderly couple that needed to move and they had a bad experience with one of your nationwide, you know, big carriers, right? Big box brands. And so they were like, well, you guys are about the age of our grandkids and we feel like we're supporting you, what have you. They found a flyer that we had put up all over town and said, let's give these guys a shot. Mm -hmm. That was like $8,000. It was a huge job. 
we did well, got paid. Again, we made, that was again, about 50% of our revenue for that whole summer. So we did substantially well with that. So I get to college and I lived in this building in downtown Athens. I went to UGA and I always joke and say it was designed. Uh, the engineer or, you know, the architect was a, was a kindergartner with a crayon because the building was just designed very poorly specifically for moving. And so we would constantly see people just like going down this long hallway, these heavy items. And one of which that we saw uh, was these two girls that were trying to move one of those big fold out sofas, Mm -hmm. massively heavy steel frame. Right. And they were like wobbling and almost hitting walls and stuff like that. And so I grabbed my brother and I was like, let's help. Right. Let's just grab, you know, whatever. So mom was there helping them move. And she's like, Oh my God, thank you guys so much. Like, I'm so worried. Like, how are we going to do this whole thing? So she gives like 50 bucks a piece. um, That's great because Think about how much minimum wage, I mean, hours you have to work to make 50 bucks. We did in like 10 minutes, if that. So boom, side hustle idea comes back. I remembered that high school experience and we made a little flyer, put it on. It was before Canva or anything to design anything fancy. Gave it to our lease office manager. We had a relationship. We knew her well because we were kind of known as the party room. So uh, I think she was just glad to see us doing something productive with our lives for the moment. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so anyways, bottom line is since that building was so arduous to move out of, she was just telling everybody like, Hey, you should check these guys. You know, they live in the building. They know it, they, you know, this and that. Uh, and so we moved like 30% of that building in the next like so on months. I mean, you know, you know, 45, I think it was like 45 days actually, but for the rest of the summer, um, but you know, the summer transitional months where kids are moving from apartment to apartment, we found out later that like eight out of 10 kids, 80% of students move every summer. It's a big deal. That's a lot of people coming in and out of buildings. So anyways, uh, made probably eight to ten thousand dollars in like forty five days, something like that, six to ten range, something like that. Uh, so we're like, okay, there's we got we got a thing, we got a side hustle. I didn't have to work my whole senior year. I got to just really focus on my studies and like get done, whatever. So I graduated, go off, get a real quote unquote real job, right? Traveling sales job, outside sales, uh, commission, salary plus kind of thing. And my brother continued to do the moves uh, and had a buddy that was now his new roommate. And guess what? He just so happens to have a grandfather that has a moving truck that says they can borrow and use it for the summer. Like it was just totally serendipitous, yeah. right? So they made like twenty three, twenty five thousand dollars over the next, and this was a full summer, you know, the full three month, you know, in between those, those, those semesters, like I said. And so now we're really rocking and rolling and I'm, I'm coming back on the weekends, you know, during, you know, between my job and, you know, traveling is coming back and what have you and helping out when I can. I'm like, I'm funding some marketing stuff. And we were, they were getting in front of their classmates and they're, you know, in the classroom and like pitching and stuff like that and going to sorority houses and like giving their spiel. Like it was, so we really started experiencing some, a little bit of brand clout around campus. Right. So I'm like, we got something here. My job was what I thought it would be. Right. Like I wasn't built for the nine to five. I love yeah. people that are uh, because they help me make my dreams come true. They really do. Uh, but it's not for me. It's not how my brain works. It never has worked that way. And so I quit the job, come back. I'm like, I don't know what this is. I didn't go to school to start a moving company, but I'm going for it. And so within a sh- very short period of time thereafter, started out pretty rough for six months trying to figure things out. Uh, made $48,000 the first full year in business. But then from that point forward, we hit $1.2 million a short two years after that. So wow. rapid, crazy growth, doing business in 32 states around the country, working with five of the seven major furniture manufacturers in the United States, doing fur- furniture installation for fully furnished units, plus still doing the traditional moves with uh, other college students. And then we expanded beyond that to families and stuff like that. So it wasn't just students anymore. So interesting, rapid growth really took a, a white collar p- approach to a blue collar industry, leveraging young, really smart, like future lawyers and attorneys and, you know, people that are in school at Georgia, it's a great school, right? So people preferred that experience or better experience 
uh, I always say we move with our minds, not with our brawn, right? Like we, we, we focus on using our brains and not putting, you know, a dresser on top of a lamp or, you know, I mean, like, yeah, exactly. I, I'm obviously exaggerating, uh, but, but, you know, we didn't have like the big size that some of these movers have, but we could do 90% of moves that didn't involve, you know, a grand piano or something or a gun, you know, a big gun safe or something like that. We mm-hmm. could do most of that stuff. So it was adequate. So yeah, man, so that was it. That's how it took off. Didn't intend to get in that industry at all, but sometimes you find opportunity and things just take off. Well, I, I want to go back and that's because that's a really interesting story. And, but that first moment, because it seems like, and, and obviously you had the, you know, the serendipi- serendipitous opportunity with the neighbors or, you know, whatever, the, the um, back in high school. What happened though? You, you move for the, the girl that was moving in, her mom sees that, pays you a little bit, and, and you kind of stick a flyer up. What motivated you? Like, is that, I, what I'm trying to get at is, is this something that has been developed over a lot of years where like that work ethic that like, let me find the edges to, to improve, or was that just kind of a spur of the moment? Because I know that's a lot of folks struggle with taking that leap and say, I don't know if I can put a flyer up like that's right. Where did that come from? Do you think? That's a really good question. And there's more than one answer to it. There's not like a specific thing I could put my finger on, but I will say this. So my dad was, uh, the type of guy. And I remember I'd go, I was always really fascinated with business. Right. And I think many of us are like really fascinated with just that, that space. Right. And so I'd go with him on these trips, you know, he'd be going and calling on clients. And so he worked in fast food QSR and they sold menu board solutions for like your Taco Bells and Wendy's and stuff like that. So I think you drive through the, the drive through, you have the canopy, the coverage from getting rained on and you order off the board. His company sold those indoor and outdoor solutions. So we go to these places, Brian, and my dad was just so bold. He would just walk in the door like he owned the place. Be like, hey, I know I'm Mike and I do your menu boards. And it's like, what? I don't even know these people. It's crazy. So I kind of got that exposure really, really young of just like you see things and you just kind of go for it, right? Like there's not like a sit around and wait for it. That was always really encouraged of both myself and my brother. So that part is really, really huge. I I would say the next part, and and I, I don't know where this specifically came from. I can't like cite this back to any like one fundamental thing or like event or something like that in my life. Um, but I feel like this is a big mistake with entrepreneurship for those that are kind of like thinking about an idea or maybe there's, they don't know what they want to do. We make it more difficult than it has to be. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Some of us know, like, we're just really good at what we do. Like we're an attorney and we just want to do our own thing. And so we start our own practice. Like that's an easy one, right? It's not easy to start. It's easy to know what you want to do. Uh, for me, even getting in my senior year of college, I had no idea what I wanted to do still. I was probably closer in middle school than I was, you know, (laughs) By the time I was about to graduate college, it was pretty terrifying, right? I say it now and I laugh, but back then it was an identity crisis. I was like, what the hell am I going to do with my life? Um, so I've, one thing that I can always go back to is I, I cite, like, I'm able to see things that are done that should be done better, right? And I constantly, my, my friends make fun of me because they would always say, like, I, I was Chris, this is what they should have done, Harris, right? Like, I would always see things and I'm like, no, they should do it this way or it should be done that way. Right. So what I mean by we make the big mistake in entrepreneurship is we think we have to have this big, like sexy, brand new idea. And we don't have the billion dollar app, you know, new app. We can't do it. And and if you look at that and I could challenge that in a lot of ways, right. Even like the, these grandiose things, they're just, they're bigger iterations of things that have already existed. Mm -hmm. Right. They're, they're building on and augmenting things that already exist in the world. They're just using technology to enhance the way we do it fundamentally they're not new ideas facebook or social media is just connectivity with other human beings right we're just using the internet to be able to do that in a lot more rapid succession than what we could previously right 
but it, but fundamentally speaking, that is a, that is a, an age old concept, right? But most of us, we spend too much time thinking our idea has to be sexy and like, you know, clever and all. And it's like, you just have to find a problem that people don't have a solution for somewhere out there. Some guy is racking or gal. I don't know. I think it's a guy is racking in royalties. Every time somebody like a Starbucks uses a freaking cardboard coffee sleeve. So mm-hmm. people don't burn their hands, right? Like that's a simple idea, mm-hmm. but somebody's making just cashing in royalties for generational wealth, right? Because every time it's a royalty. So, you know, I think for me, it's always been see opportunity and be like, okay, I can do something with this, right? Like I can make, and it might not be, again, it might not be the thing that I ultimately want to do, mm-hmm. but for that season of my life, I see opportunity in the market and I see viability and my ability to be able to capitalize on that. And that was purely, everything I've done has pretty much started from that is opportunity, void, people looking for something. How do I insert myself in that discussion? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I've I've had this, I'm trying to think of myself, you know, I was such a different person, you know, eight, 10 years ago, and I've had this big change in my life. And I think back then, like my thought process was, okay, I got to have that one thing and I can't do anything else until I do that. And I've changed my tune to kind of what you're saying is, no, let's, even if I start something now and it doesn't, it's not what I'm doing in a year, right? All the experiences, all the things I learned in that year is going to help propel me to the next thing. Right. You know, I don't have yeah. to, I don't have to like live and die just by that one idea. Yeah. I think we have a huge flaw. It's a really good point you bring up because we have a huge flaw in thinking that like, if I do something, I'm somehow starting over if I yeah. don't continue that thing. And fundamentally that is impossible. You can never go back and unlearn the things you learned and mm-hmm. give back the experience like in a duffel bag and say like, well, I'm dropping, right? Like you're always going to build upon that. And I would argue that in many cases, the life experience that you bring in, even from the many side hustles that I've done or the people that have been around, like all of those things still play a huge role mm-hmm. in A, who I am, but the things that we do, the things that I do, and I'm sure the things that you do, right? So uh, a big, big misnomer that we have where we're like, we're racing to the finish line not necessarily just embracing the season we're in for mm-hmm. what it's worth and figuring out how do I use this? How do I leverage this for the future? Me, if you don't even know what that is going forward. Like, like I told you, you were talking to me about LinkedIn. I've been building LinkedIn for like 10, 15. I have no, I, I had no idea I was going to use it, but I was like, yeah, I think I could see the viability of me having a diverse network on this platform even 10, 12 years ago. I was like, well, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to serve me for, but I'm going to build it because it seems like something I can spend five minutes a day doing. Right. Yeah. It's well, and I think it's being open to th- this is one of the things we tagger. I, I, I talk about this a lot where like I was a PJ professional. I used to teach golf back when I first got out of college and, and was a, you know, ran a business here in Raleigh. Sweet. And that was my identity. I was the golf guy. Mm-hmm. And it was so hard to leave that identity because I'm like, what right. are people going to think about me if they, you know, and I think just trying new things and whether we call it failing or learning or whatever, just sure. being able to go from one to the other, you almost feel that, Oh, are people going to think differently? And I think once you get over that, you're like, who cares? Now I'm just going to do everything. You feel like you can just get out there. Totally. Right? Yeah. Right? Totally. And yeah. I, I'm sure you see this with a lot of the coaching you do is like folks get stuck on that one, you know, where they're stuck at right now. It. I totally, I was stuck on it. I was the yeah, moving same. guy. Yeah. And I had resistance to being the moving guy and they had resistance when I wasn't the moving guy anymore. Right. So I totally get it. Yeah. What, um, you mentioned about, you know, the side hustle you did, would you encourage folks? So someone listening in that's they're working a nine to five, right. And they're mm-hmm. thinking about, well, I have this idea I want to start. 
the encouragement is to try it and figure out how to do it on the side, right? Would you would sure. you make that encouragement or would there be any other advice you'd give to them? Yeah, so there's two ways. So I like my my uh, my side hustlers or my night and weekend warriors. Those are the two paths that I've seen to be most viable for people wanting to make that transition. So what that effectively means is, okay, if you're a side hustler, what that means is you're gonna you're done. Like you're just you're spent. Like and you've got low uh, you've got low personal responsibilities. So you're probably not married. Don't have kids. Maybe you have several roommates. So your 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 overall personal overhead is substantially lower than somebody that has a mortgage and three kids, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it has to always be this way. You could do this with a wife and family. It's just going to depend on your situation. I trust you'll make the best decision in accordance with that. Side hustlers, though, are typically younger folks, right? They they don't have those responsibilities. Mm -hmm. They just are done with the job, right? So they quit out of nowhere and just say, okay, here's a deal. I want to work on my business. That's what I want to do. This is what I want to build my future. Fine, I, I, I get it. I did the same thing. I just jumped into the pool. I didn't even look to see how deep it was. And I dove head first. (laughs) So you got to have things around you, though, to keep putting food on the table to at least have your bottom dollar covered while you're building your business full time. So whether that means you Uber at night or you have an extra sofa that you put up on Airbnb or you're delivering foods for, you know, for, for DoorDash or whatever it is you're doing. You know, I had a litany of I wish today. Honestly, I do wish this, Brian. Back then, when I was doing this, the gig economy didn't exist, right? It was like, what? So you had to like know somebody that had some things you could do. So I would mm-hmm. do refereeing basketball games, and you know, I would do, <laughs> I did some promotional modeling for Comcast because I had a friend that did had the contract with them. So I did that, it was like twenty five bucks an hour, but that saved my ass in so many cases. Like yeah. I wouldn't made rent without that money, right? During those promotional seasons, mm-hmm. uh, I'd hosted softball tournaments for a buddy of mine that just had more than one location. He was driving all over the place. He's like, hey, if you can go there, I'll pay you be there i'll give you like 300 bucks a weekend or whatever so now it's so much easier and everybody's like oh well it's so hard it's like yeah but technology is giving you the like just an abundance amount of opportunities and we're not even talking about repatriarching stuff and going to garage sales or going to goodwill and then selling trying to flip it on facebook marketplace or on whatever or amazon like there's so many opportunities to take a minimal amount of time Mm -hmm. and at least cover your bottom dollar while you do your thing full-time right so that's the side hustler bucket then let's talk about a night and weekend warriors, right? I got a buddy that built a seven-figure business before he left a full-time engineering job, extremely, extremely stressful, very, very demanding job. Spent two hours in the morning, spent two hours at night, worked on the weekends, built a seven-figure business. He was able to leave and walk into a seven-figure business. Now imagine somebody that's listening to this is like, wow, that'd be awesome. I could build my freedom on the side while I still have the benefit of a really high-paying six-figure paycheck like he did, right? And even it had to be six figures. So- those are the two avenues that I see. Now, a lot of people, you know, yeah, it's going to be tough. Both of those are going to be tough. I'm sure you're like, yeah, well, I have my nights and my weekends, no time for my video. You know, and, and I get that. It is going to be really, really hard. Nobody said it was going to be easy. But those are the two paths that I see being the most fiscally responsible. And I don't recommend anybody make any major decision on either one of those buckets that you fall into or whichever path you decide to go until you have at least, and I say at least, and I beg you, at least six months of your expenses paid for, meaning personal runway. I could literally stop what I'm doing today, pay for my mortgage, pay for my rent, pay for my kids, pay for my meals, pay for my insurance, pay for everything, right? For six months, preferably a year. And that's going to all be contingent upon how much traction you have in the business. If you're quitting to start from day one right now, mm-hmm. okay, I want to start a business. I'm quitting my job, putting in my, my two weeks notice right now. Ooh, you better plan for 12 months because it, you know, you need to have some traction to have yeah. some customers that have actually paid for what you're doing to prove that this is a viable concept for you to quit that job to begin with, or you need to have a, a, a lineup, some serious lineup of side hustles that are going to meet 
at least 75% of what you're currently making, at least to cover your bottom line. And I would buffer in. I like to live, I, I say this, live your life by margins. Whatever that margin ends up being, if it's going to acquire you $3,000 a month, don't budget for 3000 budget for 4000 Yeah. Right. In any capacity, both time and money, make those margins prevalent. Because that way, if you're off a little bit, or you need to dial it back one month, or you get sick, or something happens, you're not like, oh my gosh, I have to do 100% of this, or I don't even meet that bottom dollar, right? So always, always building those margins to give yourself some breathing room. I, I say this, it's so important building a startup. Your dream can become a nightmare real, 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 real fast, and the dream dies when the bank dries. So this thing you want to go build is going to become your nightmare, and the whole dream's going to die when your bank goes dry, right? Mm -hmm. So just remember that, because I see it all the time, and I see people blow through their entire life savings or their entire retirement fund and a very, very short amount of time because they just didn't make a plan and they were so desperate to get out of the job that they just didn't really do a really effective job about being smart about how they do it. Yeah. Well, and that's a great transition to some of the stuff you're doing. You know, obviously you built this, the moving business and a couple others. I was curious to, to kind of just underscore a little bit and some stuff I was reading about, obviously with Startup You, with the podcast, with coaching, with all this other stuff you're doing, I think you have a mastermind, you have, is that a well? Did I see yeah, that? It's just, yeah, it's just a resource to provide for our oh, listeners. Yeah, so all of this together, when did you decide, and maybe you've been doing this all along, but when did you decide to kind of make a shift to focus a lot on that versus kind of the, what we would think of like, there's a product business of like, you know, the moving right. or something like that. When did that idea come into your head? Why did you feel that was important in your life to, to go that route? That was just, uh, that, my life necessitated that. Um, because the part that, that, that we're not including and talking about here is the fact that I had a serious, serious health issue, major health crisis. I wouldn't even call it an issue, a crisis that happened just mm. shy of my 30th birthday okay. where I was diagnosed as precancerous. And doctors looked at my labs and they were like, dude, you're a train wreck. And if you keep running the way you are, you'll be gone by 40 at best 50. And so me having to go back and revamp and refigure out what the, the foundation of my life looked like meant the stress of scaling mm. businesses, right? And managing 300 employees in 32 states and these high pressure situations where you're managing cash flow and, you know, raising capital, all these things that I was doing, uh, my life, I just, I, I, I couldn't, I did not have that in me. And moreover, if I continue to push through, I wasn't going to be around much to talk about it. Right. So it was really, what can I do in the meantime, while I'm figuring out, I didn't want to go the pharmaceutical route and I'm not here to just poo poo on pharmaceutical drugs. What I am here to say is that I've seen my father go through that journey with Crohn's disease and I was eerily falling down a similar path and I didn't want to go steroids, prednisone, all of the side effects that come with it, mm -hmm. right? I'm like, I'm 29. I'm not trying to throw Band-Aids on problems and have to live on that stuff for the next however long I have, right? So there was a small window that we could approach it naturally and address it and that's what I did. So I spent four years, almost five years uh, in recovery mode. And so my situation that season necessitated me doing something that didn't involve me being in the high stress situation of building a startup business. So uh, that's where coaching came into play, mentorship came into play, podcasting came into play, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Now it's a part of who I am and will always be a part of what I do. Uh, but to say that I'm not itching to go build something, and I may already be doing that, <laughs> uh, is entirely something that's definitely coming in the future for sure. Yeah. Well, so you kind of, I don't want to say your hand was forced, but you had to make some trend. Now, a lot of folks, I guess, get that advice, you know, that, that, Hey, you better watch out. And they're like, yeah, whatever. I'm invincible. I could do whatever. I, I was <laughs> one of those people. 
yeah, like, did it take a while to convince yourself, like, all right, I got to go this route? What were some of the things that you kind of went through to to get to that point of understanding this was important? Yeah, we knew it was, we knew the situation was going from bad to worse. Um, we had known for a while. So I, I had been diagnosed early, early on. And all symptoms of what ended up becoming the, the final diagnosis that I got, we're just, we just didn't have much of an understanding of gut health and how that affects you neurologically and, you know, the internal function, like alternative or what people call alternative medicine. We didn't have a really robust, at least mainstream understanding about a lot of the things that we know now. Right. Uh, so a lot of those things were already manifesting even back in grade school, like really, really early on in life. So uh, building the business, I always say it was like it, it, the whole thing was a perfect storm. My whole upbringing was the perfect storm. We can get in as much of that as you want to, or as little as that as you want to, but starting the business and throwing stress on top of an already compromised potentially becoming uh, autoimmune condition mm-hmm. um, was really what kind of did me in not taking care of myself, not sleeping, not eating, just drinking monster energy drinks and stuff like that, where we got to the point where I'd go a month uh, not to be too TMI, but like one or two movements without heavy, heavy cleansers was not abnormal for me. Mm-hmm. Right. So like things are shutting down. Right. Mm-hmm. That's where it got to where we're like, and then, and I think finally, you know, the story I told about the doctors that said what they said, that was like the big wake up call, right? Where it's like, we knew it was a problem. And my wife, she was my, my, you know, prior to obviously the way things work, she was girlfriend, then fiance, then wife, as these things tend to work out. Um, she had been telling me for years, even back when she was only my girlfriend, like, I think there's something wrong with you. Like, I think there's something going on. Like you shouldn't have these issues. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do about it? Right. Cause a bad habit that we have as entrepreneurs is we put happiness and, you know, success and all these other things. That's like the destination, right? Like it, it's like, well, right now I have to suffer because down the road, I'm going to, it's going to pay off. Right. So right now I'm not going to be healthy and that's okay. And it pushed through it. I'm 25, 26, 27. Like I can do that. No big deal. Mm-hmm. When you get start getting close to 30 and I don't know what it is. Well, I do know what it is now, but when you start getting around that age, uh, whatever's wrong with you, you start to lose that, uh, that bulletproof nature of your body just being so resilient. You start to see your body just can't keep up right? Fighting off these issues that you have. And I see it all the time with entrepreneurs specifically, where they're just crashing into burnout because they get, they hit that age. They've been pushing for a while, three, four years, really pushing themselves. And eventually the wheels fall off. And that's exactly what happened to me. Mm. Yeah. You start to realize how important like priorities in life need to be sleep, healthy eating, some exercise, like instead of those were generally down the list when we were all younger, you know, we yeah, you take it for granted. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The um, with the startup you stuff, why? I mean, you, you obviously could have done a lot of different things. What ultimately made you decide podcasting? What ultimately made you decide the coaching route? Like, were were there some things you enjoy with like one on one coaching? Were there some things you enjoy with the interview style? Because obviously, <laughs> right. you've interviewed a lot of awesome folks. But what, tell me a little about that. Uh, so the podcast was a, was a total accident, um, which is amazing. But the, the podcast was kind of the genesis point for everything I'm doing now. Uh, started it around the time close to the end of me getting really, really sick, right? I would say six months prior to me getting really, really sick. Mm -hmm. And it was really just like, again, seeing opportunity, right? I'm having all these amazing conversations. I've just built a business in my mid twenties to a multi-million dollar company. First time, no extra, I didn't raise any money. It was just purely bootstrapped. And I'm like, this has been really crazy. There's been so many like highs and lows and learning experiences and stuff like that. I'm like, somebody could benefit from all this. Mm -hmm. And, I'm, you know, I'm having the conversations anyways and talking to mentors and friends and stuff like that. I'm like, why don't I start interviewing people 
and talking about these experiences, right? To just give people a resource if they're trying to do something similar. And so I was like, cool, let's start recording these conversations. So there you go. Within two weeks, the show was trending. Um, I read a blog about how to get your show trending and it worked. Um, top five business health and education on new and noteworthy, right? So we were trending there for like eight weeks. So like anything else in any business, this is a teachable lesson here. Leverage is the name of the game. What asset or what do you have available to you to leverage what you have right now to put yourself over and move forward, right? So it was, okay, I have trending status, right? Like this is a huge platform and take advantage of somebody else's brand clout, aka Apple, right? How do I reach out and get bigger guests because that'll leverage up my brand clout and hopefully give some more downloads because now I've had Damon John on my show or Barbara Corcoran or Grant Cardone or whomever, people have been on my show. So that's what I did. So I reached out and again, LinkedIn, remember I told you, I didn't know how LinkedIn was going to come into play, but I just been building it. So I reached out to Ted Kingsbury. Ted's like, at the time he wasn't, you know, he was kind of like an underling or whatever with Shark Group, which is Damon's like parent company or whatever, Damon John's parent company. And now he's like the president. (laughs) But anyway, so I reached out to him. I connected with him on LinkedIn years ago. And I was like, hey man, uh, you don't know me, but my show is trending top five in the world. Put some screenshots. I'd love to have Damon on my show to take advantage of what turns out he was writing Power Broke around that time, which is one of his books. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah. It's like, Damon, this is a great time because Damon's like, blah, blah, whatever. And since you're trending, he'd love to do it. Oh my gosh. I went from idea to Damon John in a matter of like three months. It was mm-hmm. crazy. Now it took me like a year to actually get him on the show. Yeah. But confirmed 250 emails later, he finally came back on the, he came on the show. <laughs> it was a wild journey getting him on. But I knew at that point, okay, I can use that name to reach out to other people. Like Barbara was referral to me, Barbara Corcoran, because Damon was on my show. And then I had Kevin Harrington, who used to be on season one of Shark Tank. So I'd already had a few sharks. So I used that to get Barbara. Anyways, that, that was kind of like, okay, how do I turn this then into, like have all these downloads now, right? Like I'm getting this massive audience. Like, what do I do with this? And so it was like, duh, right? So I'm already doing coaching now I, because at this point I'd already you know, moved away from the moving company. Like, what am I going to do? So I'm already doing some coaching. I help my wife with her business, stuff like that. So cool, let's start offering some online products, which she was already doing with her online brand. So it just was a natural evolution of things. Mm. But the genesis point of it was, you know, how do I help other people better navigate what I'm going through? And that's exactly what Startup U was intended to do. And I remember many times throughout the moving company build, I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I had gone to school for this. Or I wish they had taught me this in school. And they didn't. And I'm not hating on higher education. I am, but I'm not. Um, but it wasn't built for entrepreneurs. It's not, you don't go to school to be an entrepreneur. You go to school to work for somebody else. That's what the whole system is built around, right? Right, wrong, or indifferent. That's what it's built around. And so there are many ways, even the way that you're, the way that you have to think, you have to abandon what I call, you have to divorce your taskmaster because you learn your whole life to be the little taskmaster and to do all the things and to make your list and check it twice and make sure it gets done every day because you can't go to your professor and say, or even your teacher in grade school and be like, you know, Science wasn't really important this week. This other area had a higher impact or higher utility in my life. Right. So I really focused on that. I hope, I'm sure you can understand, but like it really wasn't a priority this week. And entrepreneurship, yeah. that's exactly the thinking you need. In school, you're going to get an F and you're going to fail. You're not going to get passed on or graduate. Yeah. So it was just a whole orthodoxy that I wanted to give to people. And that's why I just went with like the university theme because I was like, I'm going to start a school for this. So Startup U, aka Startup University is what, what that led yeah. to. Well, I think that's, I mean, the same way, well, different though, like how I started the podcast, but like the, the similar, I think, mentality of like, I grew up in that world of, I don't know how old you are now, but you know, I'm 38, but I grew up in that world of like, you know, nope, you go to college, you get an entry level job, you work your way up, you kind of, 
And then eventually when, you know, I like the joke, I took the, you know, like the matrix, I took the red pill and you, you kind of hear, you see this whole other side of life and you're exactly. like, you know, and I see this now, even, I, I don't know if you have kids, but I have an, I have an eight year old and I see this in his school. And it's like, he is such a, the kind of creative, like out of the box, whatever, and does not mm. want to fit in the system, which mm. I think is good. I'm excited I about it. Great. But you see this exactly what you said. It's like, this is the process. We go through these check boxes and these are the things we do. And if you don't do it, you're like wrong or incorrect. Correct. And I'm like, no, isn't there other ways to solve problems or other right. ways to get things done? Right. And um, the ironic thing is you look at a lot of big companies or just companies in general, you're saying you had hundreds of employees that are built. And then some of them go back to like the taskmaster that go this way, instead of letting their employees think outside the box. That's a whole other discussion. Oh, I know. You're absolutely right though. You're <laughs> absolutely right. It happens all the time. And I deal with it but, with my clients and I'm like, okay, so what got you here? Won't get yeah. you there. So why are you going back to what you started before you even were an entrepreneur? Yeah. <laughs> like like you, you were coming everything you hated. The reason you quit your job. Right. It's literally, like got, yeah. Take Well, that's the whole thing. It's like, take a different approach. Like it might yeah. be uncomfortable. You might right. be way outside your norm. Yeah. But isn't that, isn't that a good alternative to what you're doing today? Where again, sure. yeah, you're pissed off, you're upset, whatever. Right. So anyways, it was, uh, it was very interesting um, in terms of where people can think, I guess, differently. I, I want to go back because you'd mentioned about, you know, kind of thinking back and, and going back to the moving company and those type of things. If you had to go back to your younger self, so let's go back to the high school, you know, Chris, or you can go mm-hmm. back a little bit younger, but what is some, maybe I like to think one piece of advice. I always like to say, like, if I had a post-it note sitting on my desk right now, what right. would you share with me or yourself, that younger self to put on there, to see it every day, to put it kind of into my mantra going forward? Yeah. So that's a pretty easy one for me, actually. Uh, so one, it's not a race, right? It's not a race. Um, I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to like arrive tomorrow, Right. And that, that, so, so yeah, so I say that, and I always say that with some context, because if you're the type that needs a swift kick in the ass, you need some urgency, but type A's, we got to pull back a little bit because we kind of expect to like build Rome and like not, you know, they would say Rome was built in a day. We tried to do it in like 30 minutes, you know? <laughs> and, and the unfortunate thing is, is when you are such a big thinker, right? When you are like the Bezos type thinker of like this big, massive thing, of what you want to do, right? You, you, you create this paradoxical feeling of, I'm never going to get there because you're not thinking about the next practical step to how to get closer to the goal. Right. It's like, how do you get there? Well, it's one foot in front of the other. And sometimes we get so disillusioned by the big abstract vision that we have that we fail to really see the pragmatic steps on how we navigate getting there. Right. So I think for me, it would be that it's strategy. It does not, it's not losing sight of your vision. It's not losing sight of your goals. It's being more of a tactician as far as how you're going to maximize today to get closer to tomorrow, for lack of a better term, right? Now, what's coupled with that is mechanism, right? So I would say I would start with that as the, the you know, the core of it, the, the final deepest layer of the onion are habits. I mean, I am the biggest believer in the world of success habits. The reason being is that so many people uh, every day, they try to just rely on like something that motivates them. I need to feel motivated because if I'm motivated, then I'll go do things and I'll create momentum. I'll create that inertia, right, that I'm looking for. And the reality, the reality situation is quite the contrary because we all have ups and downs. If you think that even somebody like Gary Vee, who on camera is just always fired up, right, that fire energy all the time, I promise you, that was probably recorded three weeks ago. He has his ups and downs. He's a human just like you and I. However, one thing you can do is you can build solid habits. 
habits lead to compounding interest, right? So if you can focus on how do I maximize my habits, not how do I get pumped up every day, how to get motivated every day, not those things are important, but if you can build it on top of your habits, now you've got a winning recipe for success, right? So whatever those habits look like for you, I am very, very thorough in the things that I do. We are going to either build good habits or bad habits. We are creatures of habits, what we do. So what are the ones you can build? They're going to lead to making the rest of your life easy. Those are called keystone habits. And I'm referring to the book, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. Phenomenal read, highly recommend you check it out. Then on top of the next mechanism is, okay, part of my habit is the actual nuance of what do I do with that? So you'll see sitting here right in front of me, I show this all the time, is my full focus planner, right? So this is a, by Michael Hyatt. It's one of the best planners you can ever use, ever possible. And I take advantage of things like Pomodoro's. I take advantage of things like Parkinson's Law. I'm planning out my day. I'm being very smart as far as how I execute. I'm using Brian Moran's 12-week year. I'm thinking about what are my goals for this quarter, and then I'm filling in the blanks in between. So I'm taking habits, right, that lead to me getting momentum, that lead to me feeling motivated, that funnels right back into itself. And then on top of that, I'm building in the actual structure that I need to be able to make sure that I can execute. Because ideas are great and motivation is great. But how do you execute on those things? And if you can't execute, you don't have a system to execute, you're going to find yourself in six months being like, oh, yeah, that thing I talked about that one time that was kind of like an idea that I had for a while. And then now it's just nothing. Right? So it's how inspiration is fleeting. How do you take advantage of those moments, decipher what it is you should really focus on, and then execute to the best of your ability? So I think that would be the biggest thing. Type A's, visionary type people, entrepreneurs, we're all over the place, right? We can be really scatterbrained. So how do you build something that allows you to have that compounding effect year over year, focus on conquering one thing at a time, not just focus on the big goals, but how do I get these little goals conquered? And then how do I keep myself in those guardrails? And that's what I just said is exactly how I do that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the accountability, I think, is by putting it down on paper, you're, you hold yourself accountable. 43, they found that just by writing something down with a pen and paper, right? I know we love digital tools. I do too. But writing yeah. something down, something like you're 43 times more likely to do something or achieve a goal just by writing it down. You talk, people talk about growth hacks and ninja strategies and, you know, okay, how to get more, you know, likes and followers. It's like, okay, whatever. Like we can talk about those things. But 43 times more likely just by writing. I'll write everything down. Are you kidding me? I'll write that down all day long. That's a huge growth hack. Yeah, that's absolutely great. Um, and I find it's the simplest things sometimes are, you know, they're the ones that we should be doing. As you mentioned, right. there's all these other pie in the sky stuff you can do, but it's really the simple you right. know, kind of chopping wood and just get it done. And ultimately that leads you to the next step, you know? Right. Yeah. Cause anything else you want to share anything you're excited about maybe the next six months year, you mentioned another project you're working on. You may not be able to talk about it, but anything else you're, you're excited about. Yeah. Um, I think the big thing is this. And, and uh, so I'll leave you with what I'm actually like physically working on, but also kind of the mantra of, of what my life has become. So we, we talked a lot about kind of the, the, you know, the shiny, amazing side of, oh, Chris has just been this amazing person and done these amazing things. And the reality of the situation is the last five years have been the hardest years of my life. Uh, getting sick and having to rebuild from scratch and losing what I poured my heart, my soul and everything into was extraordinarily challenging. Uh, suicidal was absolutely 100% how I would categorize myself for a period. 2017, that was who I was, right? Um, so my mess has become my message. And what I've done is I've found a way to help other people through my experiences, uh, not only in business, but also with health, right? And that could, not right now, that could, be, that could not be more important with what's going on in the world right now, in the middle of a pandemic, right? So I've really learned how to help people 
uh, we don't realize how sick we are, not with COVID or anything else, but just suboptimal health, right? We're talking about peak performance and optimal health. We are so suboptimal. We've become, we've come to the point where we just accept it at this point. So that's become a part of my message, helping people not experience what I had to experience. Uh, and it's become a huge fundamental part. So my point is this, uh, whatever it is that you're experiencing, right? Whether it's physical ailment, mental you know, health condition, or you know, some financial issue or whatever the case may be, you don't know, and I'm a, I believe in God, but whatever you believe in, um, you don't know how that's going to be used to A, mold and shape you, but also to impact and influence other people, right? So your job is just invest in that season and say, I don't know what this challenge is for, and I don't know how this is going to pan out, but I know that I'm being trusted to carry that burden for a reason. And so that was what it was for me. That's what it's become. I look now on the backside of all this, and I get to share with people like Brian and with you all and be like, it made me so much better having gone through that struggle, right? Having gone through that ridiculous challenge, even when the, op- the outcome looked really bleak. And there's no guarantee I was going to get healthy. Like there was a possi- big possibility I'd have to just get on the drugs and just band-aid it as far as I could, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so my mess has become my message. So use that to your benefit, whatever that challenge looks like for you. I promise you there's people out there that need to hear your unique, amazing, unbelievably triumphant story. What I'm actually working on, and so I focus on Startup View because that's that's the big that's the big enchilada, right? So Startup Launch Factory is our first like major flagship program of Startup View. Startup View is brand new, right? Brand new, last six months. So our big thing is is Startup Launch Factory. So if any of that's interesting and you're curious about how to transition into entrepreneurship, you're going to absolutely want to check it out because what we do is we help you validate and know your market. We help you take you help you figure out who your ideal client avatar is, where the opportunity in your market lies. And then how to take all that data, right? Let's go online and find that data. Let's not just make assumptions. Let's go online because you've never had more data online than you do right now mm-hmm. to take that and plug it into your marketing, right? A lot of people are like, I don't know what to say in marketing. It's like, well, you're making it too challenging. You don't have to have fancy bells and whistles and all these slick marketing and sales tactics. Right. Go find out what your market wants and we'll regurgitate that and build it into your marketing and sales assets. Then we take that and we teach you how to scale that out. Then we tell you how to run an actual organization, hire, outsource, manage a budget, all these various things. So we literally take you womb to tomb, transitioning away from getting, you know, being in, being in your job to getting your first 100 customers and then scaling beyond that all in a 25 lesson, massive, over 850 minutes program. We cover all those things. You will literally walk away. It's like a business out of the box. You will walk away with everything just stacked and loaded. So that's the big thing we're doing on the startup you side. On the other side, uh, which doesn't pertain to anything other than just a little side project I'm working on. Um, we're actually f- trying to find a way to scrape data uh, from mechanics to provide predictable insights for people that are looking at buying a new vehicle, right? So Carfax is great. I love Carfax. I love the Carfax tells you what's been done to a car, but it doesn't tell me what's going to be the future outcome of that vehicle. And we all know they're different depending on make, model, and year. So we would be able to scrape data and give you a percentage of likelihood of X happening to your vehicle. So mm-hmm. transmission problems between 100 and 110,000 miles, we'd be able to give you that data because we're constantly scraping that and providing that to our users on that platform. So that's kind of the, the side burner, like side little build project that I'm working yeah. on. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, Startup U is where you're going to find me focused on. Awesome, man. It sounds like a lot of fun. Where, if everyone wants to say hello to you, where do, they, uh, where do they find you best? Yeah, so literally you can say hello. So hey, CMH, uh, hey, like hello, CMH um, is where to find me on all social media platforms. If I'm on it, that is my handle. If it's not hey, CMH, it's not me. Um, that's where you can find me. And then obviously, heycmh.com or get Startup U. Uh, Startup U, like university, is where you can find me online. Awesome. 
Chris, this was a lot of fun, man. Enjoy the conversation. Appreciate you jumping on with me. Likewise, man. I do have a, a quick ask of your audience. If we, if we can do two minutes. Yeah, go ahead. Cool. All right, guys. So this will literally take you 20 seconds. I promise you, you don't see the work that Brian does. I know because I'm a podcaster, right? So you don't see the work that goes behind the scenes. You just hear the conversation. There's a lot that goes into it. So it's really going to take you 20 seconds to do this. Whatever podcast app you're on right now, two things I want you to do. Hit subscribe, leave a review. Those are the two most important factors for podcast apps to do what my show did, which was to trend, which helped me build a crazy, amazing audience. So if you love what Brian's doing and you appreciate it, I would love it if you could help him do that because it does make a profound difference for the algorithm. And if I lied, if it takes you more than 20 seconds, I promise you can tag me on social media and be like, Chris is a liar. He just flat out lied to me and it took me a minute and a half. <laughs> but please do that. It'll help him out a lot. It's like leaving a tip for your waiter or your waitress. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, a lot of fun, dude. Thanks so much for joining. And uh, again, appreciate you coming on and sharing your journey. All right, buddy. Thanks for having me, man. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And thanks again for stopping by the Just Get Started podcast. Uh, Grateful to have you here. And if I could just make one quick ask before you run along on your day. You know, I've grown this podcast organically over the last three plus years And it's from the great listeners that pick up, you know, a quote or a key learning or just enjoy the entertainment of the podcast and they share it out to their audience. They leave a review on Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Um, And I'd ask that for you as well. If you've made it to this point and are listening in, um, a lot of the podcast uh, platforms that you listen on have a share button right there where you can share it out to your audience on various platforms. So. I would be so appreciative if you wouldn't mind taking a quick second to do that um, if you really enjoyed this episode. So thanks again. I'm happy to connect online. I always love to meet new people. So if you want to go to my website, brianondraco.com, or connect with me, I'm at brianondraco, basically everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, even Clubhouse, that new app that's out there, uh, you name it. So uh, follow me online and uh, certainly look forward to connecting further. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.